the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Talk 910 KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. Joni Mitchell. She had a boyfriend named Graham Nash. You know who Graham Nash is, right? Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. They turned this into a, a hit song in 1970. It's actually not a 1960s recorded, but it's it's all about Woodstock. This hour, I want to talk about the 60s, 1960 to 1969. Kind of go over what happened. A few weeks ago, I did a show on the 1950s, and I, I thought it was enlightening on where our economy was and where our economy went. I think we can learn a little bit from looking back at the past and seeing what was happening and why. Whether it's far out, swell, don't trust anyone over 30, flower children, bummers, hippies, groovy, sock it to me, peace and love, make love, not war. Don't be a drag, tune in, turn on, drop out. Or whether it's quotes from Jimi Hendrix like, when the power of love overcomes love of power, the world will know peace. 60s definitely was an age of youth in America. 70 million children from the post-war baby boom became teenagers and young adults. The baby boom that happened after World War II kind of created a situation where there was a lot of teenagers, a lot of people. And the baby boomers today are playing out in our economy in, in ways that I would say are, are going to have financial ramifications. The movement was away from the conservatives of the 50s. We were a very conservative nation in the 50s. You've seen the TV shows. You've seen the the memories of... You know, women and virginity and issues along those lines in the 50s. Well, it kind of went the opposite direction in the 60s. We had revolutionary ways of thinking the real change in cultural fabric of the American life. Ultimately, no longer content what was going to be the images of the generations ahead of them. It was the young people who wanted to make the content. This was the first time this happened. Um, In large part, if you go back to the 40s and 50s, you know, radio and television was really a reflection of the older people in society. The changes of the 60s, it affected education, it affected values, affected lifestyles and laws and entertainment. A lot of these ideas that began in the 60s, they're still continuing to evolve today. Let's take a look at the the numbers. I think this is the best place to possibly start. Population of the United States since 1960 was 177 million people. We're now well over 275 million people in the nation. Unemployment stood at 3.8 million people. Our numbers today are far higher, but obviously it makes sense that it's far higher. 
Our national debt, let me give you a second to think about what was the national debt. Now today we're talking about debts of $1 trillion, $2 trillion, $10 trillion. Our national debt back in 1960 was $286 billion. We had a lot of debt. That's the first thing that comes as a surprise to me in doing all my research. And again, you today are getting freaked out about our debt in the country. And rightfully so. But history is telling us we've always had debt. It's our ability to service the debt that's important. What do you think the average salary was for an American in 1960? It was $4,700. Average salary per year was $4,700. Now, in a bit of a shocker, the teacher's salary was $5,100 in 1960. So teachers made more than the average person. Flash forward 20, 30, 40 years, teachers are underpaid. We all know that. Minimum wage in 1960 was $1 an hour. You would get four quarters. That's insulting to me. That's just crazy. Like, whoa, our society has evolved. Now, how how have we evolved medically? In 1960, the average person lived 66 years. The average male lived 66 years. Average female, 73 years. Now, recently we saw studies that the average male is living 75 years. Average females live into 80 now, if you're born today. So what's that tell us? You got a plan to live longer because just in a mere 45, 50 years, we've added another seven years to our lifespan. Money and inflation in the 1960s. 1950s, the 1960s, huge economic prosperity in the United States, which led to inflation in the 70s. Especially what happened in the 60s led to an inflationary environment in the 70s. In 1960, a new house cost $12,700. By 1969, it was $15,500. So that home did appreciate. It did appreciate a good 8% during nine years. That's not very much. Again, there's another lesson. Historically speaking, what happened from 2002 to 2006, it was abnormal. In 1960, the average income was $4,700. By the end of 1969, the average income was $8,500. So we doubled our salary, almost doubled our salary, while real estate prices only went up about 8 total percent. In 1960, a gallon of gasoline was 25 cents. 1969, it was $0.35. So there's a pretty big jump there for you. I know it doesn't feel like it, but that's 40%. It was up 40% from 60 to 69. That upsets a lot of people when you think about it. But in the last 10 years, is our gasoline up 40%? Nah. In fact, I would say one area where Americans are most ignorant is they complain about the price of gasoline. Gasoline has not been inflationary in our lifetime. My income has inflated in my lifetime. My home is inflated in my lifetime. But priced on the dollar really hasn't been that bad. I was getting a little freaked out when I was pushing towards $5 a gallon. But I expect that in 10 years from now, if history is a repeater, I expect $7 gasoline. If not more. Because gas has never been inflationary in our lifetime. In 1960, the average car was 2600 bucks. By 69, it had increased another $600 to end at $3,200. Can't get that anymore, can you? 
Let's take a look at a couple other things. The Volkswagen Beetle was $1,700 in 1960. Ford Mustang, $2,300. You can pick up a skirt if you're a young lady for $5 at the store. Today, you can still pick up a skirt for $5. It's not very fashionable. It's going to wash apart in the washer after three washes, but you can still do it. Men's shoes. Today, an average pair of good Oxford shoes for men, $80, $85. Back in 1960, $13. Keep in mind, the 1950s really created a lot of gadgets in America because we were no longer producing bombs and guns and, and clothing for the military. We started coming up with gadgets in the 50s. and In the 60s, we came up with some more gadgets. Like, we had already had a, a refrigerator and we already had a, a dishwasher. So we came up with an automatic can opener. That's a good 60s memory, eh? Automatic can openers. Not really popular today. But I remember in the, the 90s and the 80s, my family had an automatic can opener. And, you know, you'd go over, you're like, pulling out the tool and, and squeezing it down and turning it 15 times. Not good enough. You had to have a auto. You had to have an appliance that would, you know, uh, open up the can for you. Automatic can opener, nine dollars. Electric blanket was invented in the sixties. So I don't know. One of the more shocking ones was turkey. Price per pound on a turkey was thirty nine cents. I studied what was an average home in the nineteen sixties, and Massachusetts clearly. Northeast did very, very well during this period of time. Three-bedroom house, Micah kitchen, full basement, built-out full basement, kitchen fixtures, colored bathrooms, large planted trees. These were the issues that people wanted in the 60s. $15,500. During the 60s, the United States government experienced what's considered its longest uninterrupted period of economic expansion in history. In the 60s, housing and computer industries really started to overpower the automobile industry of the United States and the chemical in, uh, industry. So the 60s really saw housing and computers become an important part of our economy. And they killed off the autos and the, the chemicals part of our economy. Dow Chemical once was a very powerful company in the United States. Now most of their manufacturing is done overseas. So the lesson I think that you can get there is that things change. And businesses get usurped all the time. Let's take a little bit of a break here. But when we come back, I'm going to talk more and I'm going to get into the dirty details of of Kennedy and Johnson and what happened in the 60s and the events, not just the Vietnam event, but some of the other events that, you know, clearly shaped our nation. Teach your children. Crosby, Stills, Nash. It's Rob Black Show. Talking 60s. Talking economy, talking big picture. That you can live by. And so, become yourself. Because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. Don't you ever ask them why If they told you 
Glenn Beck, next at 12 noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. So, oddly, we're doing a show about the 1960s, and we're playing music that was recorded in the 70s. But the band, The Who, was at Woodstock. Obviously, the song is Won't Get Fooled Again. It was written in 1971, and the messages in 71 are as clear as they are today. Who do you trust? Do you trust big politics? And reading further into some of the messages, the political context of it, suggests that we fight in the streets and that revolution, like all action, can have results we can't predict. So, the Beatles, revolution, the 60s, and Woodstock, clearly... People trying to get their messages out. Speaking of the 60s, and I'm doing a whole show on the 60s and trying to tie in the the whole angle on the economy and inflation and presidential and government spending. How about some of the TV shows in the 1960s? Rawhide, The Monkees, The Saint, Hogan's Heroes, 1965 to 1971. Now, again, I'm stealing this from Gilbert Gottfried, but what a fantastic comedic line when he said, I'd love to see who pitched that to the TV executives. You know, it's 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 about World War Two and prison camps and it's a comedy. So Hogan's Hero is a pretty great show in the 60s. Lassie, it lasted from 1954 to 1973. I never knew Lassie lasted 19 years. That's an amazing run that that show had. Brady Bunch was a big uh, start in the late 60s and ended up in the 70s. But uh, the man from Uncle Doctor Who, um, Gilligan's Island, Gunsmoke, classic American television. Or or even, um, what was the one with uh, Genie? Genie, Genie, Genie. Bewitched. Uh, I Dream of Genie and Bewitched. Those are the two that I'm thinking of from the 60s. Green Acres, Get Smart, classic American television created in the 60s. So let's go back towards the 60s and go towards what was happening when we last left off in the story, it, the housing, the computer industry, it started to overpower automobiles. And look where it goes. It takes another 50 years to really kill off the automobiles in the United States. In 1962, the five largest industrial corporations accounted for about 12% of all manufacturing in the United States. In 1965, General Motors, which is the standard old of New Jersey and Ford, they had larger incomes in all forms in the United States. Um, these were monsterly powerful companies. 1960 presidential election campaign. I guess let me finish that thought. General Motors and Ford in the 60s. Super powerful companies. And look where they are now. You may think that your shares of Apple will go higher and higher forever and ever. But at some point in time, they too will fail. At some point in time, I think this earth goes hurling into the sun. So I think it's fair to say everything fails. That's something you just got to be comfortable with when you invest your money and your dollars. So let's talk 1960. 1960-61, we had a recession in the United States. John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's 1960 campaign promise was to get America moving again. And he referred to the American economy when he said get America moving. He wasn't talking about moving us all around the country. He passed the largest tax cut in history. So there, you know, sometimes you'll hear Republicans say, uh, don't raise taxes in a recession. Kennedy cut taxes during a recession. And the U.S. underwent a kind of golden age of economic growth, starting with Kennedy. The growth was distributed, interestingly, amongst each and every economic class. 
which ultimately was attributable probably to labor unions. Labor union membership peaked historically in the 1950s, tied towards our huge economic massive growth. Kennedy wanted economic growth at an annual 4 to 6% range. So he wanted GDP 4 to 6%. He wanted unemployment at 4%. Today, we're going to see economic growth, if we're lucky, 2 to 3% as the average in the 2000s. Not 4%, not 5%, not 6%. China's growing at 6% plus. Kennedy knew that the economy was in huge trouble, so he went to Congress and he passed an economic growth and recovery package consulting of 12 measures, ultimately. He increased the minimum wage from a buck to a buck 25, and an extension of the minimum wage to larger pool of workers. He increased in the unemployment compensation Increased Social Security benefits to a larger pool of people. Emergency relief for feed grain farmers. He did area redevelopment. He did vocational training for displaced workers. And he did federal funding for home building and slum eradication. Now, you've heard about some of our stimulus package. It's interesting to note. Some of uh, what he did in the 60s is in in the current Obama package, but most of it's not. By mid-1962, he was convinced the economy needed an additional stimulation. So he provided another tax cut. Now, we've been talking about the United States of a second stimulus coming. I keep in mind, Bush did a rebate check, and then uh, Obama gets in office, and he did a, a, a cut. You know, he did a stimulus. Kennedy suggested that businesses needed tax relief. So his second stimulus was tied towards businesses, which you hear certified financial planner Chad Burton. He, he raves like a maniac on the show about, you know, business tax reform. In large part, he's a a small business. Um, So what we did in 62 with Kennedy was he allowed businesses to be a little bit more liberal in the depreciation allowance on new plants and equipment by giving a business 7% investment tax cut. And it worked. Well, maybe it worked. Maybe, Maybe the economy did its on its own. In early 1963, inflation was stable. Corporate profits were at a record high. Stock market had rebounded. Unemployment was still way too high at 5.7%. We're at 10% unemployment in the United States, over 11% in the state of California. So it was too high at 5.7%. That almost makes me think, whoa, we've gotten spoiled. So they say that in year 2015, our unemployment will be at 6.4%. A long way off from Kennedy. A long way off from Camelot. Let's turn the page quickly to President Lyndon B. Johnson. He basically ran this country from 63 to 69. He dreamed of creating a great society. So he took what Kennedy did and he ran with it. He began a lot of social programs, such as Medicaid and Medicare. Government financed some of the private industry's research and development. So the government started to do a little bit of research on something called ARPANET. Now, what is ARPANET? ARPANET eventually becomes the Internet. Now, President Johnson, he inherited that strong economy from Kennedy. The growth during his presidency between 64 and 65 gave him an annual dividend of about $4.5 to $5 billion in extra revenue. So when the economy does well, it creates extra tax revenue. So Kennedy cut taxes so that we can make more taxes. For the first two years of Johnson's presidency, the inflation rate was just under 2%. Our inflation in the United States averages 2 to 4%. And here we were at low inflation and low employment. 
In 65, though, inflation started to pick up. Gross national product grew by $9 billion, and unemployment stood at 1.4%. In 1965, unemployment was 1.4%? Holy mackerel. So they, and when, do you remember the dot-com days when unemployment was down to 4%? It created inflation. What do you think 1.4% inflation created? You were able to tell your boss, go screw, because you can go jump to another job pretty darn quickly. People needed workers in 1965 at a crazy hardcore level. So, 1967, Johnson administration became concerned with inflation, and they started to really go against it. So, he asked Congress to impose a temporary 10% income tax surcharge. And that surcharge became a law on 1968, uh, basically June. It was tied towards a $6 billion budget reduction. So, inflation started to rear its ugly head, and what does he do? He raised his taxes. Who was the third president in the 60s? We know Kennedy. We know Johnson. Nixon. Good call. Tip of the hat to Heidi on that one. She pulled that one out of the hat. Nixon avoided some, what, when Nixon came into office, his advisor said, sir, there's going to be some inflation. So what did he do? He ignored his advisors. They were calling for wage and price controls and, and relied instead on some minor trimming of federal spending during the first year of his administration. By mid-1970s, inflation rate had hit 6.5%. So we went from 2% to 6.5%. That's pretty aggressive. And you know how the 1970s goes as far as inflation goes. It goes badly. You're fired. Federal government's position in the economy continued growing during the decade, though, of the 60s. Government played huge economic roles. It was a consumer. The government was an employer. The government was a regulator. Our government was a social welfare agency in the 60s. As a consumer, it pumped billions and billions of dollars into the economy by supporting scientific research. They bought military equipment. They built highways. They competed with the Soviet Union. Now, that's kind of interesting to talk about. As an employer, it provided large numbers of civilian and military jobs. And as a regulator, it started going after big business and monopolies. That was really the first time we started to, to even think about that. So the end of the decade, economically speaking, average American was making $10,700 plus. So right around 1970, that's when that happened. Now, we can jump back in time and say Kennedy's assassination in 63 was important because it ultimately spurred Congress to start passing his legislative agenda. They wanted to, to pass on his vision, so to speak. His successor... You know, sought to build a great society out of it. So military uh, spending obviously increased in the 60s, tied towards Vietnam. What started as a small military action under Kennedy, it mushroomed into a major military initiative under Johnson's presidency. Government uh, failure to raise taxes to pay for these efforts also led towards inflation. Let's take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we're going to hit more of the events of the 60s, more of the, the games of the 60s, more of the technology of the 60s. Um, I might be able to get into the arts and the books and the music. Might not. Shows like this, they always run low on time. 1960s was good for sports in America, too. Hopefully I get time for that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Anyone want to say anything about the 60s? Anyone? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. The Who? They played Woodstock.
that I don't know about the little tricks you play. I never see you when deliberately you put things in my way. Well, here's a... Rob Black is watching your wallet, live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. The song's White Rabbit. Jefferson Airplane, 1967. And what's interesting about this is it references a lot of Alice in Wonderland characters and stories. In Alice in Wonderland, there's a character who told us to feed our head, feed our head. So the song was written to explain to parents why kids were doing drugs. So says Grace Lick. Now, you know, Queen of Hearts, Thread Queen, off with her head. It was Alice in Wonderland, if you do look back on it, it was crazy freaky deaky. So I can understand uh, why you blend psychedelic drugs, magic mushrooms, and Alice in Wonderland. So Jefferson Airplane, big, 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 big player at Woodstock. Grace Slick once tried to slip Nixon acid, sort of. She went to a small college, Finch College. And all the alumni of Finch were invited to the White House to meet with Nixon because Finch was a teeny tiny little college, so the alumni wouldn't make up a lot of people. She had put 600 milligrams of acid under a long fingernail that she used for cocaine. And when she got to the White House, she was told she can't come in because she's a security threat. Some of the lyrics from Jefferson Airplane were suspect lyrics, so she was on a terrorist list. (laughs) Kind of funny, right? In a way, she was a threat to the president. What Nixon would have been like on acid? Holy mackerel. The 60s were clearly dominated by Vietnam. Obviously started as, again, a small conflict under Kennedy. And then it just totally mushroomed under Johnson. And it was the start of showing how people and affect people can affect politics and peaceful demonstrations. And students were the driving force because, again, media had not let teenagers have opinions in the 40s and 50s. Media was heavily forced as an elder generation being passed on to younger generation. So with education comes empowerment. So as we sent kids to school, they, they, they use that voice. Now on the West Coast, politicians wanted to stop demonstrations and they tried. But due to the freedom of speech, it just wasn't possible. East Coast, clearly more of a hotbed as far as um, the heat goes with protests. A lot of the conflicts during the 60s were still tied towards East and West, the Cold War, communism versus capitalism, communists of, of Russia versus the capitalists of America. Now, both nations had nuclear capabilities. Both sides didn't really want a full-scale war. They realized there would be no winner And they believed their ideology was the best, and they tried in other ways to influence the world. We came close to nuclear annihilation in the United States with what was called the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Um, And again, it was probably John Kennedy's most shining moment, Cuban crisis in the Bay of Pigs. He also created the Peace Corps, which some people would say helped underdeveloped nations, and maybe that was his most shining moment. But the potential standoff that prevented a world nuclear war. It's pretty impressive. Khrushchev saying, we'll crush you. Um, crazy stuff. Looking at us like we were bugs. 
just because they liked their ideology more than that we liked ours. So we just couldn't get along. Now, I've talked a lot of Kennedy and Johnson Vietnam War this hour. I'm doing a whole hour dedicated to the 60s, and I've hit the economy pretty hardcore, I think. Um, but the one thing I haven't hit, and this just shows you how far we've come as a nation in 40 years. It's pretty impressive, or it's pretty ludicrous where we were 40 years ago. Martin Luther King, civil rights advocate, amazing speaker. He followed other great leaders through history by using nonviolent means, such as the power of speech. Assassinated March 10th, 1969 by James Earl Ray. That was 40 years ago. That's it. That's it. 40 years ago, we're fighting for the Civil Rights Act. 40 years ago, we're fighting for blacks and whites to coexist, not segregate, blacks to vote. Voting rights of 1965 changed the lives of African Americans. 60s also brought the space race. Now, this is, you know, you know, I'm a little tech nerd. I think we all know that. Space race uh, hit new heights. We wanted to land a man on the moon. Apollo 11 mission, July 20, 1969, put Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. It became the first humans to land on the moon, fulfilling the American dream to place a man on the moon before the Russians. Now, the Russians had landed a lander on the moon, but not a lander with a man in the lander. The words spoken by Neil Armstrong, do you remember them? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Clearly in history books forever from that moment on. I think when I look back at the 60s, the thing that I have to go, hmm, kind of a shame. John Kennedy and Martin Luther King both assassinated. We lost leaders. And when have we had leaders like that since? What would have happened had they been around a little bit longer? What would have happened to the world? So now I, I change gears and I talk about fashion in the 60s. 60s for women, mini skirts and leather boots. I love boots. I'm sorry I'm in the 21st century, but I love boots. Boots on women, wonderful. Now, men, we were wearing paisley shirts and velvet t- trousers. Not so sure about the velvet trousers, but paisley, I, I could still go with the paisley on occasion. Um, then we got into the psychedelic clothes and the bright colors for both men and women. The hippie was born in the late 60s. Men started to wear hair longer. Men started to look like women. For the first time in our nation's history, women identified with a hippie look by wearing skirts and dresses longer, often known as maxis. So, who were some of the big celebrities in the 60s? Elvis? Julie Andrews? Rock Hudson? who hid his homosexuality for 40 more years before he finally came out of the closet. John Wayne, probably the worst actor of all time in American history, and yet also one of the most iconic. Richard Burton, Paul Newman. Did I say Elvis? I think I said Elvis. Some of the great toys from the 1960s. This will throw you back in time. The Easy Bake Oven came out in 1963. Now, it was a, a, an extension of the 1950 homebody image uh, where we wanted young girls to, you know, make pie for their man. There's nothing wrong with making pie for a man. I love pie. Some of my favorite foods are pies. But the 1963 Easy Bake Oven. Oh, good God. What else was there? Um, how about Operation? That was a, a game from the 1960s. It utilized a simple electric board concept to buzz a losing player for missing their goal of pulling out an appendix or... A heart. 
if you look at video games and games today versus games then, we used to play with tweezers and try to extract them from a, a body. <laughs> I mean, we were a pretty simple nation in 63. How about the Etch-A-Sketch? Still a classic. There's a girl who emailed me from Berkeley, and I don't really know too much about this, but part of her signature on her email was, you know, Etch-A-Sketch champion. So I, I clicked on that, and this girl from Berkeley can draw, like, Monet's. Like, she could do crazy, crazy things with, with an Etch-A-Sketch. So still used around today. Twister, 1966. I grew up playing some Twister later in life. So that showed you the enduring nature of uh, the gaming industry. How about G.I. Joe? They came out in 1964. A doll for a boy. That's what it was. It was a doll for a boy. We tried to figure out how can we get boys to play with dolls? We made an action figure. We called it an action figure. We didn't call it a doll. It was an action figure. So great success. Military operations were going on in Vietnam, and it was a tie towards getting boys excited about war and getting them, you know, playing off some of their, their most primal thoughts. Set to break. When we come back, I'm going to hit some of the technology of the 60s, some of the architecture, some of the art, some of the music, some of the theater. I'm going to get to as much of it as I can, hopefully. Uh, sports. How about the 60s and sports? Those are some good times. Let's take a break here. We'll be right back with more on the Rob Black Show, remembering the 60s and our economy. Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1 800 345 KNEW. That guitar riff right there, obviously, Jimi Hendrix. He was playing that guitar riff backstage one day when his manager said, That's cool. You should write words to that. It was just a riff that he was just goofing around with. It's clearly a What's referred to as a Hendrix chord. Dominant seven, number nine. That's all I got. My musical expertise in the 60s, not very good. I don't really start to shine until I get into the 80s. That's for sure. Now, things change. And again, as an investor, I think you can learn an enormous amount from listening to my 50 shows and 60 shows. I'm going to eventually do a 70 show and an 80 show. Those are coming down the road. Um, weather satellite, 1960. We got a first weather satellite. That's technology. Now you can't turn on the news and not see it pervasive everywhere. We invented the tape cassette in 1963. We didn't invent it. Netherlands invented it. So gong is real to real. Portable calculator, 1967 by Texas Instruments. A portable calculator. A portable. That's the That's the phrase that pays. Portable. We did the moon landing in 66 with Russia. We did a man moon landing in 69 in the United States. We invented the laser in 1960, United States. We invented LEDs in 1962. And it takes 45 years for LEDs to become standard in, in televisions. Kevlar, obviously for shooting at each other. Technology that basically helped in Vietnam enormously. The internet was invented by the United States military in 1969. Hypertexting, uh, which was for linking text. You now click on this and you go straight to another website. 1965. 
pacemaker, the heart pacemaker invented in 1960. Computer mouse, 1964. A cash dispenser, 1969. Fiber optics, 66. So let's talk about some of the, what I would refer to as, as really the pop culture of the 60s. And when you get there, you clearly have to start with, you know, Broadway. Broadway was still part of our culture. I personally find that people who like Broadway shows, you're lame. You've got no inventiveness. You're stuck in the 50s and 60s. But in the 60s, we started coming out with musicals like Camelot and Hello, Dolly and Oliver and Man of La Mancha and Hair. Hair, fantastic Broadway show. And the remake of it right now in New York. If you get a chance to go to New York, go to New York and see Hair. It's it's a wonderfully powerful uh, reimagining, and it's just as important today as it was then. Now, again, most musicals, I think, are lame. It's all about a guy saying, I woke up this morning and got out of bed. It's like, it's talking, singing about what you did. Eh, not funny. Not entertaining. So, how about the most impressive playwright? Edward Albee, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Maybe. Maybe. Radio continued to be a primary way of Americans for listening to music. There was a change from 1950s to the 1960s. What was the big change in the 60s? FM. And then you started getting another way of watching. Another way of getting music was watching music. American Bandstand. It was watched by teens coast to coast. They not only learned the latest music, but how to dance to it. Chubby Checker introduced us to the twist on a show in 1961. Television offered the second primetime cartoon. The second primetime cartoon. Do you know what the first primetime cartoon is? The second is the Flintstones. We as a nation used to come home and watch the Flintstones in primetime. That was television fair. That was primetime television. The first primetime television show, cartoon show, it was 1959, so it's not 60s, and I shouldn't even mention it, but it was Rocky and, Rocky and his friends, Rocky. So... Um, and that, the rocking bullwinkle set off Alvin and the Chipmunks. It set off the Jetsons. It set off Mr. Magoo. Cartoons suddenly became wildly popular in the 60s as a form of entertainment. The Andy Griffith show was the epitome of primetime family television, and it ran for most that decade. The Beverly Hillbillies, it heralded in, in, what did the Beverly Hillbillies do? What's their claim to fame? It brought in the sitcom. So the Beverly Hillbillies brought in Bewitched and the Addams Family. One of the greatest shows of all time, The Addams Family. Still funny today. It, the writing still holds. You could watch an episode of The Addams Family and go, this isn't the lamest thing I've ever seen. My favorite Martian, I Dream of Genie, Star Trek. That's right. Star Trek 1960s and the Twilight Zone. And obviously Star Trek was a big play on the space race that was going on. And our fascination with what was happening. Other issues of the 60s that impressed me were the Olympic Games. The Winter Games were held in Squaw Valley. The Summer Games held in Rome in 1960. Um, U.S. ice hockey team, we won gold medal in 1960, and it takes us another 20 years to do it again. Haven't done it since. Don't know if we ever will. Um, But you had Al Order on the shot put. You had Muhammad Ali. He won gold as a light heavyweight boxer. You just, I mean, just crazy things going on as far as, as athletes, we really started to hit our peak. So later on, uh, we, we went to Mexico City for the 68 Olympics. In baseball, you had Sandy Koufax, 
He was a pitcher for the National League, won the Cy Young in 63, 65, and 66. Today, you may be impressed with Lincecum. Sandy Koufax was the Lincecum of the 60s. And Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, Bob Gibson. In the 60s, you had Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. You had Elgin Baylor and Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe, the first black man to win the U.S. Tennis Championship in 1968. Can you imagine? I remember in my lifetime seeing something really odd when the Dallas Cowboys had a black starting quarterback. And they're like, it's the first black starting quarterback in Texas. I mean, that's 80s and 90s kind of stuff. But in 60s, Arthur Ashe, you know, clearly setting the way for other athletes to walk behind him. Arnold Palmer, he dominated golf in the 60s. Arnold Palmer was the Tiger Woods of the 60s. Speaking of art, Andy Warhol. If we knew now what we knew then, or if we knew then what we knew now, you could have got a lot of good Andy Warhols, incredibly cheap. Um, Andy Warhol kind of brought in pop art. It was, we're not looking at the French Impressionists anymore, you know? We brought in a new type of art, the modern age or the future. It was tied towards the space age. We started doing um, Alexander Calder, who did just crazy modern sculpture, where we'd never seen anything like that before. David Hockney, who did pop art. Marcel Duchamp, who did um, something totally new. Uh, Kinetic abstraction. Environmental art by Robert Smithson. So the 60s really, we used our creativity. And I think uh, the, the one thing that I'm getting the most out of this is the 60s, one of the things we did incredibly well was we started turning over creativity to the younger generation. We started to let them lead us as a nation instead of going after the, the elder approach that was so popular throughout the first hundred years of our nation. Barbie dolls. Barbie dolls started becoming the, the huge trend. How about skateboards? California surfers took to skateboards as a way to fit out of season into a, a fad that they loved. Barbie dolls were introduced in 1959, but became super popular in the 60s. What was interesting about the 60s is we had 70 million teenagers. So what you hear about the baby boom, this is when all the fads of America started coming. I'm all out of time. Thanks for listening to the show today. It was a 60s show. It's the Rob Black Show. Talk 910 KNEW. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.